James chapter 1, verses 2 through 18. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, just like the child, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea just blown and tossed by the wind from here and there. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with the scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom fails, falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed, everybody say blessed, is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, becomes pregnant, it is, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. Every good and perfect gift, excuse me, then after verse 15. Oh, man, I'm lexic. Sorry, I lost my spot. Gives birth to. The lights are not good up here, so it's hard to see. Let's go back to 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, there we go, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it's fully grown gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters, says James. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose, everybody say chose, to give us birth through the word of truth that what we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. What you have in the old is not the first fruits. That's the old you. You need the new first fruits of the new you. And if you've yet to find a fruit, James says there's a fruit that's going to be first in your life here. My subject this morning is calm it down. Calm it down as you take your seats this morning, find five people, high five them, tell them, hold the boat. Hold the boat. Take your seats, hold the boat. <laughs> is that an airplane or is that feedback? I think it's an airplane going by. I'm so nerdy. I'm sorry. I'm always thinking technical while I'm preaching. One time I heard like a cat hissing out in the foyer. I'm like, what's that? It's like got my ears going, you know. Hey, a couple shout outs. Uh, this is Cray Cray, but Cameron is in the house. 
How many have heard of Cameron? Cameron, stand up and wave your hand to the people. How many know Cameron? Cameron was our very first volunteer on January 14th, 2018 with One Seed Church. He became the first volunteer to reach three years of service and had the best attendance record next to myself until he got a girlfriend. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Chloe, I think, became number two. But um, Cameron got married. It's been almost a couple years now, maybe a year. It's been 10 years, Cameron. I don't know. It's been a year. He lives in Arkansas. He still is on our production team. During the week, when you see sermon clips and stuff like that, Cameron's working those. So give it up for that. There's a lot that goes involved behind the scenes here. And uh, man, I, I got to say, I got a little tear when I saw you on the security cameras this morning. I was like, Cameron, there's a ghost. I love you, buddy. I'm so glad you're here. Um, Cameron's family. And so it's, it's special when he comes and I didn't know he was coming. And uh, King David up in the house. How many remember King David? King David, do you remember King David? <laughs> David, good to see you, buddy. I missed you. Doing well, yeah. You doing good? Praise God. And you came today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fast train moving, and we're glad you showed up in person today. I missed you. Good to see you. Look forward to talking to you after. David was with us the first couple years church, and uh, he moved away, but he was one of our first water baptisms out in the pond, and uh, he about drowned me in that, that whole experience. He's a strong man, let's put it that way, and he's a, he's, a little, he's a little more compact than I expected going down in that water. I had to pray a little bit coming up, or we weren't going to make it, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Just kidding. It was fun, man. Love you. So this week, we're doing something really different. Um, we're starting a series, but I'm not going to tell you all it's a series. We're just going to be preaching 11 weeks out of the book of James. And if you all pay attention, you notice it's a very expository approach to the book of James. We're covering the entire book, which is only, you know, five chapters. But I'm not going to be one of the pastors on 11 weeks. Say, we got 11 weeks for you to make sense of this thing. No, each week is a bite-sized thing that can apply to your life that week. So if you miss a week, that's okay. And if you miss a week, you never know we're in a series. The only thing you'll see is that we're in James every time. Isn't that cool? So James is the half-brother of Jesus, not James, that was James and John's the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. This is James, the half-brother of Christ, who was born of Mary, but didn't have the same earthly dad because Christ didn't have an earthly dad. So it would have been Joseph, his, James's father, though Christ was born of the Spirit, he didn't have an earthly father. Therefore, they call him half-siblings. Y'all with me? I go a little fast sometimes. Like I get excited, like all these people praising God and stuff. I forget what I'm doing. I can't find my scripture sometimes because I get so excited. The spirit will touch you and you'll, you'll get shaken when you see a child worshiping. And anyway, enough about that. The book of James is about a few things. It's about active faith. It's about our mouths. It's about being humble, non-discriminatory, at the time, it was a whole lot different than today. There was like a lot of rich people, and they just thought they had it all together and that their money could control their faith and their money could control their life, and they'd look past the poor like they were worthless. I mean, it was like so different back then, you know. The first century, they were messed up. If they just be in 2023, none of that exists today, does it? I mean, all of it exists today, doesn't it? 
So James is kind of like um, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. They both are very bold with what they say. If you're not bold with God's word, read it again. If you're not taking God's word into the world, read it again. Bold doesn't mean arrogant. Bold doesn't mean mean. Bold means graceful but firm. Graceful but transparent. Graceful but candid. It's okay to be bold for your God. You don't have to be intimidated. You should be excited that I stand for Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. You should be excited to share that with somebody on your way home from church. So this passage, I was reading through it, and it's more expository. Expository is like breaking down every verse. And we don't have enough time to do that on a Sunday morning, so I'm going to do my best to give you the meat each week to pull out enough for the whole book. And I was thinking about this first passage about trials and temptations. How many have ever been in a trial? And I'm not talking about a court trial. How many have been in a court trial? How many have been in both? Amen, you got extra faith today. Praise God. Well, when I think of trials, I, th I like boats. I think of water. I think of waves. I think of Peter walking on the water. I think of Jesus calming the storm. I think of this, this motion sickness moment in faith. How many have ever been snorkeling? Well, he's talking about Peter. He's talking about John. He's just all over the place now. He's talking about snorkeling. Well, my wife loves snorkeling and sea life and all these things. And I'm from St. Louis. Can I tell you the closest thing I ever got to this was the Lake of the Ozarks, baby. We don't do that. There's a reason we don't do that. So we've been on, back in the day, you know, before there was 27 children, we, we used to take some trips and do stuff like we've been to Maui, we've been to the Caribbean, we've been to some places. And so each time we try to snorkel. And so one time, let's see. They're all rolling together. One time we were in Maui, and we took this big old boat, and the water was like freezing, and that's before cold plunging was cool. And have you ever got uh, water sick or motion sick, seasick? You ever been seasick? Nobody's been seasick in here before people? Wow, you all from St. Louis. Okay. Um, the seasick, it leaves you in a state of like mental fog, and you're just miserable. So we're on this boat. And we're going out to some island, and there's going to be every amazing thing. And it's freezing, and it's raining, and all you do is feel this. And so I was getting this seasick thing, I guess from dehydration, Jen. I don't know. Should have drank my coconut water or something to feel better a few days ahead of time. But, but it was miserable, and I'm like, this is, this is horrible. I was missing all the joy of all the people swimming with the fishies and all the snorkeling and all the stuff because I just wanted to go back to the hotel where the ground was stable. Nate, I know you've experienced this being in the Naval Academy and in the Navy. We got a veteran giving him an amen for serving this country. But what I'm saying to you is that was one time I felt the motion sickness in my journey, and it's hard to focus when you got motion sickness in your spirit. It's the same type of deal. And there was this other time we went to Turks and Caicos. Everybody been, been there. It's beautiful, right? It's like the prettiest water. Anybody ever been to Turks? It's out in the Caribbean. Nobody. Okay, well, it's cool. It's a ripoff anyway. Don't waste your time. So what I'm saying to you all is that this time they put us in a speedboat, okay, and we're going to go snorkeling. This time we're in a speedboat in the ocean. How many been in a speedboat? In an ocean. In a storm. <laughs> yeah, it was raining, and the waves were taller than the boat. And I'm like, they're going to cancel, right? No, they're not going to cancel. They're going to keep going. 
You paid for your ticket. I'm like, well, I want to get back to shore when it's over. I don't want to snorkel that bad. So they take you out to this thing, and the boat is like literally doing this. You're, you're, we were jumping waves, and all I'm thinking about is my children. I'm going to die, and why did I do this? I'm sorry, Chloe and Caleb and all the rest of y'all. I can't remember your names. I got five. That's a lot. When you get in the motion of the, the situation, you start forgetting all of your faithfulness. When you get into the seasickness of your spiritual battle, your trial, the thing that's tempting you to quit, you forget what you're chasing after. You forget why you're enduring this thing. Are you getting this? And so nothing means nothing anymore. It's just not worth it because you're distracted. You're starting to doubt. It's motion sickness in your faith walk. And so that often will occur to you when you've been faithful for a long time. The devil don't like it when you come to church. And the devil don't like it when you become faithful. But after you're good at that, he'll find another way. Like for to make you in, when God wants to make you endure through something, something that's when he'll, the devil will try to make you quit now. Like the long plane ride, Vince, to Hawaii. I'm like, I don't know if Hawaii's worth the seven hours or whatever. Vince just got back from Hawaii, poor guy. <laughs> just kidding. But have you ever found yourself today expecting to receive from God, but it's taken longer than you thought, like this building, anybody? It's taken longer than we thought. Amen, Big A. It's taken longer than we thought. So what's the temptation? Do we want to go back to the gym? No. Nate's famous quote, well, at least we're not mobile. Amen to that. It's the most wise thing I've heard in 23, including the sermons. Good job. You beat me there. But when you're having to wait, that's where the pain points are in your faith. It's easy when it's ready. It's hard when you got to wait. Waiting takes endurance. Endurance takes perseverance. Perseverance takes faith. So this is what James is talking about. And there comes a point where we have the option to take the easy route or the endured route. Easy or endured. See how I didn't use them together? It's because it doesn't work that way. Easy will never be the endured, because if it was easy, you wouldn't have to endure anything. There's a reason they call them endurance runners, because they go for a long time, and even barefoot sometimes. Crazy, no thanks, but there's a reason they call them that, because they have to endure over a long period, and sometimes the thing you think God is not answering, it takes a long time to come to pass. Has anybody ever seen God deliver after waiting like this? So they know, so you know, that if he did it once, he'll do it again. And what's that do that motivates you to go after bigger and better? Because you've seen God move. But if you've never seen God move like that, when this trial comes, this window of waiting, you're going to be like, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if it's worth it. I mean, it costs all this money, and they're slow, and this, and I, people don't really care. I just don't know if it's worth it. But God says, remember why I called, and you'll remember how to endure. Because if you don't know what you're holding on to and why, you'll start to drift. You'll start to drift. Look at verse 6. Caleb, I'm going to give you a little finger workout today because we're going to be showing more scriptures than, than usual. That's my son. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave on the sea, blown tossed by the wind. How many get joyful in this moment? 
The people who have seen God deliver know that when they feel the wave, God is about to do something good. The people who have not have, have seen the, end of the, the light at the end of the tunnel yet, when they feel the wave, they think the devil is about to do something bad. You see the difference? One knows the outcome based on the pressure and feels joy. One doesn't know the outcome and feels the pressure and feels scared. So if there's no pressure, the people of faith know that something's not Roots, faith's not working. God's not doing something. But if there's a little bit of tension and there's a little bit of trial and there's something I'm putting on the line for this, that means God's doing something with this. That's how I know I can rejoice. The Bible says rejoice if you endure persecution. That's part of it. The, the people will tell you you're wasting your time. That's persecution. The people will tell you you're too excited about something you can't see. That's persecution. Rejoice because if you saw God deliver once, you know he's going to do it again. And if you've yet to see him deliver, just have faith. If you endure, James says, he will. It will come to pass. God's timing is not your timing. <sighs> Learn that in year one. One seed church, baby. I said, this is what it's going to be at the end of 2018. I was so wrong. God taught me something. He said, who's, who's your God, PJ? I said, you are, Lord. He said, then sell all your possessions. I said, no, no, no. I was, like the, I was like the guy who went away disappointed because I didn't really want to give the control. You tracking? So we can claim the faith but not really give it all to God, and then we don't have the energy to endure because it don't look right. It's taking longer than I expected. Every time a tough situation, let me ask this. Who likes pressure? It's a balance, right? I mean, nobody wants to be stretched so hard they, they pop. But if you're not being stretched, people who are used to pressure, they feel like something's wrong. And if you've never felt pressure, you feel like you're not very limber to the stretch thing. That's why you got to stretch it out and get a little workout here and there. My brother has a great quote. He says, use it or lose it. And we're talking about getting old, like our bodies. Like he said, yeah, I just realized, I use it or lose it. He's much older than me. I don't have to worry about it yet. But kind of bothered me. I'm like, use it or lose it. I'm really good at this. Typing. My fingers are just fit as can be. Use it or lose it. What about the rest, you know? God said, work out, son. He's telling me to get off the computer. <laughs> if you find joy under pressure... God's going to utilize that. If you run from pressure, you'll stay the same. You'll stay the same. Every time a situation comes along when you're not used to the pressure, you'll feel that lost at sea, that seasickness. Every time. Every time. It can be just the littlest thing. It can be the littlest thing. Like Camilla this morning, I'm like, act your age. You know? Why y'all laughing? She's one. I've told all of them to act their age at one because she's trying to get this popcorn off my counter when I'm trying to get my sermon notes ready. I'm sitting around the counter, and she's not used to the pressure of opening a Ziploc bag. And did you know you can strain? She grabbed a Ziploc bag full of leftover popcorn from like three days ago, and she's pop, popped it open. Her body was flexing. And then she took out the popcorn. I'm like, you don't know about the kernels. Don't do it. And she puts the popcorn and then she chews it up without her dad's permission. And I'm just like, act your age. But that was a lot of pressure to her. To open a Ziploc bag. How many have opened a Ziploc bag? It's easy, right? It's easy, right? 
When you're one, maybe it's not. I'm telling you all this because just because some level of pressure over here doesn't mean that's your starting point. The starting point is where you feel a little bit of stretch. A little bit of pressure is what you want. If we stretch you like John Doe and Susie Q has never been stretched like that, she's going to pop and vice versa. Your stretch is, is based on where you're starting, and then God stretches you more over time. So I can't ex expect Camilla to be able to handle what Chloe can handle because their stretch is different. There are different parts in their spiritual flexibility. Y'all getting this? So pressure is a good thing, and you should be excited when you feel challenged with a little bit of pressure if you want to grow, if you want to stretch. Otherwise, Every time a situation comes along, we'll feel lost at sea. How many have been in Daytona Beach, Florida? How many have been in the beautiful, dark waters of Daytona Beach with the nice tire tracks all over the beach and you're waiting for Hasselhoff to come out or something because they drive on that side of the Florida? Well, my first experience in the ocean was 1997, 18 years old, Daytona Beach, storming. And I'm like, it's got to be just like the lake, right? It's just like the lake. So we got this tennis ball, and me and my buddy Josh, who you'll hear me quote often, no, he doesn't come to church here. He, he, he doesn't come to church here. But I've known him since I was five, so therefore he's my buddy. He's the best man at my wedding. I was the best man at his wedding, on and on and on. So we're, we're playing catch. It's the first time either of us have been in the ocean, and we're playing catch with this tennis ball, and there's this pier about a football field's length away, and we're playing catch, and all of a sudden, I'm getting a little deeper, and it is raining, and it's salt water. And I don't know if you've ever had that in your mouth, but it's salty. And the water was rough, and I'm getting to where I can barely touch my little tippy toes. And I'm like, I'm not worried. I swim good. I swam in pools, you know. So I'm getting a little where I can't touch, and, and I'm playing catch, and all of a sudden, I can't touch. And I'm like, I'm getting a little tired. You know, I should, I should swim in. And so I start swimming, and I'm not really moving. And I'm like, my chest's starting to burn. And then I look up, and guess what I see? That pier, 10 feet from me. The pier that was 100 yards away was right next to me. And I heard this whistle, and I saw this David Hasselhoff wannabe on the beach going, hur, hur, and I'm like, what are they blowing at? What, what, what kind of human being would swim out too far and get the lifeguard to call on them, right? And I'm seeing how this pier gets so close. What's going on? They're whistling at me. They think I'm drowning. I think I'm drowning. So I started, I started feeling this burning in my chest. I'm like, that, that's not right. That's like when something's not working good, when it's burning like that. And so I'm swimming harder, and the burning's getting worse, and I'm not going anywhere. And every, every three seconds, I'm swallowing salt water because it's crashing on my melon. Okay? So then I said, God, I think I'm drowning. Help me get out of this. And I'm not kidding. In the moment, I swam up on the waves and swam right out, just like that, after being stuck. The current, you see, how many know what the current is? The current took me sideways, and I didn't know it was moving. Thanks, Josh, for letting me know we drifted, and the pier got in my rearview mirror. He didn't say nothing. He was facing it. I wasn't. But that's drifting. That's what happens is you start in one place, and you think you're doing fine, but you're never touching your word. You're never praying. You're never asking God for advice. You're never doing nothing except just saying God is good, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub or whatever. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're 100 yards off where you started. That's what drifting does. That's what doubt does. It causes you to drift. That's what, that's what causes you then to doubt in your storm. See the storm? It was raining. I started the doubt. It was burning right here. I mean burning. Like, whoa. 
And I was a really solid swimmer, I'm just saying. And I was struggling because I didn't know how to handle Y'all getting this? I didn't know how to handle the current that was pulling me. The devil's like the current. He wants to pull somebody 100 yards off. He wants to pull you so far off that you can never get back. He wants to keep pulling you off. So you think you can handle that, and you got to say, God, get me out of these waters. I don't know how to swim against this. I'm swimming against it. God says, you got to get up on top of that thing, and you'll swim out if you listen to me. But if you forget I'm in the water with you, you're going to drown. You're going to think this is too heavy to carry. So someone got me out, and his name is Jesus. That's who got me out of the water. Has someone got out of the water today swimming in their problems, in their journey? Has someone swam out before? Some of you are swimming right now, and you feel like I can't, I'm not going nowhere. Ask God to take you up above, the, above the, the, the doubt and swim out of it. And he will. In a blink, it wasn't like a delay. It was like I was drowning, then bam, I swam out. It was so fast, Jen. The lifeguard's like, why you do that? I said, I don't know. I'm from St. Louis. I said, I don't know. It's playing catch, man. A tennis ball. I know jellyfish, ocean, tennis ball. That's it. <laughs> Verse 4, Caleb. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Doubt opposes perseverance. Doubt is like an anchor to your perseverance. So the solution is to know you can because you've seen him do it before. Therefore, I know I can swim out of this. I know I'm not going to drown. I know I can float if I have to. I can do it. Look to your neighbor, tell him, you can do it. You can do it. Hey, you can do it. I think the devil's attacking when we ask for a blessing. Your blessing's drowning you, somebody. You ask for that, that's the blessing you ask God for. I didn't know there was accountability with this whole church thing. I didn't know there was accountability with, you know, and I had to, like, do something with what God gave me. I thought he's just going to rain down grape Kool-Aid from heaven. I'm going to drink, 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 baby. No. God says, you want it. I'm going to put it in you. You take it forward. You're supposed to be my body. And I made you able to handle it. Therefore, if you're able, you still got to step. And that's why James is preaching about faith. And act, uh, faith without works is dead, he says. We'll get to that in another sermon. Because if your faith doesn't show, you don't have no faith, says James. I didn't say it. James said it. You know, he was murdered not long after this book was written. James. That's faithfulness. I probably would have sold out. I'd be like, oh, I would have been Peter, in, I would have been Peter cursing it up after the... When he went to the, oh, yeah, I don't know him. Yeah, you know, I would have been, been that guy. James like, no, that's my half-brother, and I'm not letting him go because I stand for what I believe in, and they took him out. But heaven didn't take him out. The devil didn't take him out. The world took out the flesh. The flesh don't go with you. He told the rich, you can't take that with you. You can't take those possessions. Those possessions don't save you on your deathbed. Your faith does. Your God does. Who are you going to be thinking about when everything hits the bottom? You're going to be thinking about your family and Jesus. You're not going to be thinking about all the toys, all the stuff that made you feel, you know, filled your ego in your youth. You're going to be thinking about a God who loved me through it all and never left me. That's what you're going to be thinking about when everything is stripped away. So James is trying to say, just to get that mentality now, he's talking to the rich people of this time because they were blind to it. Blind to it. They thought the poor had no worth, like they're worthless. 
you got to tell those waters to calm it down. Calm it down. You know what's funny about this sermon title? Is that was a trigger. Don't anybody try it on me after church. I've outgrown it. That used to just set me off, baby. When I was younger, two people knew this trigger. And they'd tell me, calm down, Jeff. If I was getting a little upset, they'd say, calm down. And then, man, I would get really mad. <laughs> and guess who those two people were? Can y'all guess? My brother and Josh. They knew if they wanted to get under my skin, calm down, Jeff. Calm down. They'd say it real calm. Real calm. You know, um, you know they were mocking. They were, uh, it was an indirect, um, you know, uh, attack. Calm down. Passive-aggressive, yes. They were passive-aggressive. And so I realized after years of reacting to this that I have a choice to make on how I react to the storm. Because what we do, this is what I would do, is I'd make a storm when there never was one. Because I misinterpreted the problem and started to doubt, started to think God's not with me. And so then just one little thing would set me off, and now I'd make a storm. Now I'm in a storm. How many know somebody, they're always living in a storm that they created? They created it. You know who knows they created it? Everyone but them. Everyone knows they created it but them. And they can't figure out why they can't get out of the storm because you keep creating the storm. And so that, that, that used to, he would say, we'd be in the car driving, I'd get annoyed. We'd, we'd do it. We did everything together, like everything, sleepovers, uh, drive to school. We were on a wrestling team, everything. So he's like so close, you know, it's like your brother. And he said, calm down. And just, he said, what you say? You know, you get mad and you create this storm when you're faced with just a little bit of a tink from the enemy. They want to, the devil wants to trigger somebody today. But how you react is, is your choice. So what James is saying is you have a choice to choose how you're going to handle, I had a lady today coming up my driveway. I hope she's not coming up my street. I hope she's not watching. She about ran us off the road. And it's, the one, it's a one-street neighborhood. I was in her lane because we are going on a car, and she didn't even touch the brake. She's going to hit. She's going to hit us. Just like full speed, man, full speed. And so I was, after that, I had a little tap, tip, tap, tap, tap my horn. Jesus' name, going to church. You know, that's what I did. And, um, and I'm driving to church. I'm like, I'm going to call Michelle and tell her about this. I'm like, no, you're talking about James today. Why would I give more life to the stupidity? By breathing oxygen in it. Why would I water the stupidity? By watering it and wondering why is it growing? It's growing because you keep watering the thing. Let that die. Put some rubber mulch on it. It won't breathe again. Do what you got to do. Quit pouring water on the things that are creating the same storms in your journey. God didn't do that. Amen, sister. We can clap for that. You know what makes you want to clap is when you felt that. When you felt that. When you feel that, you know it brings value because you know God's doing something. Otherwise, it's just a pretty sermon that sounds like, you know, he makes some jokes and it's just cute and everything. But that's not what this is about. It's to keep you all awake that if you don't get this word of God, the world shall pass away. But he says, my word shall not. So you got to have the word in you. 
The word is Christ. You can't take the word from Christ. He is the word. Get Christ in you. Otherwise, he says, your riches will perish. You'll perish with your, your wealth. So y'all don't know, we're all wealthy in here. Y'all think you got to be on 22s to have that. No, you're wealthy. You're wealthy. Wealthy lives in here. Where's my investment? Where's my faith? Is it in my things or is it is in God first? If everything was taken from me, could I be happy still? It's very important. That's what hum he said, be motivated in your humbleness. That's what he's saying about the humble. Because if you stay humble in the good times, you'll be able to handle the doubt in the dark times. Because it doesn't change you. The blessing doesn't change you. But you got to be willing. Otherwise, you get what he says here, double-minded, unstable, worrying, wondering, and you start replacing the hope of God with some material satisfaction. It could be in a pill. It could be in a bottle. It could be an elixir. It could be a bunch of spending on Instagram ads. It could be anything. It's not going to replace only what God can replace. And so that's what happens if you get too far. Start making the storm bigger. It's just a sprinkle. We go to the ocean, we get a little sprinkle, we're like, oh, my Lord, it's a tropical storm. They're like, it's just raining. We see them all the time here, you Midwesterners. You know? Well, I'm like, the tree's sideways. Yeah, it's just raining. I'm like, y'all just crazy. See ya next year. This place is awesome. But they're used to seeing it. So the fire to, to us in that situation is really big. But to them, it's nothing because they're used to seeing it. So you got to be conditioned by a little bit of pressure to be able to see the joy in it. And you know it's not as big. And then you quit, quit making your own storms over it. How many like boats? Me too. I got a really cool boat during Corona. We go to the lake, St. Louis Ocean. And I got this really cool boat from Florida, okay? And I had it shipped here early 2020. And I was so excited for this boat that I haven't seen since, by the way. It's been in the shop since. And every month, my kids are like, Dad, are we getting our boat back? I'm like, you know, I just don't know if it's really coming back. Quit asking. If it does, God is good. If it doesn't, I'm okay with it. Let's move on. I get this boat, and it's a nice boat. It's a boat that I've never driven. And it gets off the trailer. They put it in the water. They say, have a nice day, Mr. Gwaltney. And like, put, is there gas in it? Because none of the gauges worked. I'm like, I got to go 40 minutes to get this to where it's going. So I had to go 40 minutes. None of the gauges worked. None. I couldn't tell if, if there was even gas in the thing. We get it up to the pump. The, the guy's filling it up. The kid, this is like Osage Beach. We're going to Camdenton. And, and uh, I see dark clouds coming in. I'm like, this is just great. I just, you know. Gave up my home for this boat, pretty much. Uh, how many know what boat stands for? Yeah, it's true. Okay, and so um, none of the gauges work. We're in the water. Black clouds are rolling in. Not dark, black clouds, okay? I'm like, I got to go 40 minutes with no gauges in a boat that I'm intimidated to drive that's pretty, pretty heavy. I'm scared to even bump the thing. And, and the kid's filling it up. He's like, all right, have a nice day. I'm like, Lord be with you and Lord be with me. Let's do it. I start going out the cove, and it wasn't 30 seconds. How many know when they're at the lake and you see a dark cloud, it's about to rain in 30 seconds every time? 
All your friends that come visit you and they're like, oh, we got plenty of time. You just tell them you don't know what you're talking about. You see one little black cloud, you're about to get hammered in 30 seconds every time. I don't know, storms like water, something like that. So I get out there and guess what happens? It didn't rain, it poured. How many have been out in water when it's pouring hard and you're moving quick? How many like BB guns? How many ever shot yourself with a BB gun? What's it like getting shot with BB gun? So the, 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 the gamble is, do I go quicker and, and, and look like I got an allergic reaction to something from all the welts, or do I go slower and drown because I can't see nothing? So I always meet in the middle. So I'm driving this boat with no gauges, and then I notice the, the top on it's cracked. It's fiberglass, and it's flopping in the wind. Click, 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 click. And now I'm getting angry because I'm drowning in this boat that's broken that was supposed to be perfect according to the pictures. And so now I'm driving this boat, and I'm not joking. I could not see past that screen. It was just white. The water was just white. I didn't know. I'm like, Jesus, I hope there's no boats in front of me because I'm going to run them through. If they're as dumb as me to be out here, I hope they don't see me. So I'm like pedal to the metal, driving this boat, and I'm hiding under the glass so that water is not killing me because it hurts like badly. It hurts badly. You know, two minutes is cute, but it's 40-minute drive. That's like some of y'all long-distance traveling. That's like me going, if it's further than 10 around here, I'm like, that's too far. So we're, I'm driving, and I'm coming around. The, the lake's shaped like an S, and I'm coming around, and I can just barely see my turn. That's going to start taking me south. I'm like, okay, I'm a third there. I got this. Man, this is horrible. It's flooding the boat. I'm just thinking all this stuff. I'm like, just focus. Just focus. Nothing matters right now. All that matters is A to B, get this boat to the destination. Nothing else matters. I mean, there was no time to even do nothing. It was just so heavy. All you saw was white, white capping water, waves like the ocean, and you could see about 10 foot to keep going. And so I kept going, and I had to get myself like together mentally. See, this is what happens when you get in a storm. If you, if you let it destroy you, it can, or you can say, I'm going to stay focused in this, and I can get through it. And so I kept going, and I kept going, and now I'm going down. I start seeing this landmark, and the place I was going. I'd only been to a couple times, so I really wasn't even sure where I was going, and it was coronavirus time, and no one was on the water, and there was, if there was no gas, there was nowhere to go, and then I also say the water was freezing cold. I didn't have a life jacket or nothing. I just probably would have got hypothermia if I fell in. It's great. Fun, huh? I come around the lake. I'm going down the lake. Storm, storm, storm. Finally, I take this last turn, and I see this building of, like, condos. I'm like, this is the last turn. Thank you, God. I'm, like, having this near-death experience with the Lord. It's great. And I'm like, I'm going to be so, I'm going to be preaching good from this, God. Thank you. I really wasn't thinking about that right now. I was really, I was angry. And so I see the last turn. And as I make the last turn, I see sunlight break. <laughs> I know it's funny, but you don't know how excited I was to see the sun. I mean, 40 minutes of nothing and pain, and I turned the corner, and I said, I can do it. I can do it. I was so rejoiceful. You know what I did? I praised God. No, I didn't. I got out of my phone, and I took a video. Woo, look at me. Woo, look. I know the storm's behind me. The sun's in front of me. I was so excited to just be free of that thing because I got through it. Some of you are in this thing, and you just can't see nothing. You just keep driving. You're going to get through it. There was a lot of turns. I didn't know where the water was taking me. I knew if I just stayed and followed the terrain, follow the terrain in your spirit. Follow the, follow the flow of the water. You don't have to Google map it. God will take you there, and eventually the sun's going to break. 
Has anybody had that storm building a church before? Amen, sister. Amen, brother. Like, you can have that storm anywhere with your boat. You know what's funny? Is I had to do that three other times with two wave runners and a pontoon boat. And all four times, it was miserable. But after doing it once, y'all getting this? After I did it once, I was bragging about it. I'm like, yeah, I didn't have nothing. I could have died. It was rough. I had socks on my hands because I had no gloves. I was that unprepared. I'm cruising through that thing during Corona. Like, touch me, Corona. I'm out on the water. Yeah, I'm scared of this 30-degree water. I was a little bit, but I knew if I stayed in my boat, I'd be good. Good old moms. What if you ran out of gas, Jeffrey? Well, yeah, I don't know. And that last trip down, the light on the little personal watercraft started blinking. Blinking, flash, you know, like get gas. Right before I was getting to the destination, right in the freezing water, I'm like, oh, no, Lord, you're not doing this. I've done this too many times now. You leave me enough gas, I'm getting there, okay? Just get me to my house, Lord. And I did. And it's funny, but, and I haven't seen the boat since October 2020. I'm supposed to get it back this month. That's what he said two years ago. We'll see what happens. But what I'm telling you all is, it felt like forever. But you keep driving through it. You can't get around that. You gotta go through it. You can't get around it. You can sit there and play duck and let the storm come devour you because you don't want to leave the cove. Or you can say, you know what, I'm going through it. I'm getting to the other side. I'm moving on with my life. Who's tired of being in the storm? It gets old after a while. Go through it. Who wants to go through it with me? Come on, somebody. Once you go through it, you can go through it again. And again. And again. And again. And now you're laughing at the devil. That's all you got? <laughs> devil. You a liar, devil. It's the focus in the storm that keeps you persevering. The focus, because remember the seasickness, if I, if I let it take my focus away, I don't know, up from down, left from right, but if I stay focused on Jesus and know I can go through it, he'll get me to the other side, you can do it. You can do it. Remember we just touched our neighbor, we said you can do it. Now we believe it, let's do it again. You can do it, neighbor. You can do it. But you gotta calm it down here to get through it here. If you get it messed up here, you don't stay calm under the pressure, you'll stay stuck. Let's look at verse 12, Caleb. James says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person, everybody say that person, will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. If he promised it, he won't take it away. It's not a, not a tease. He's not going to take it, give it, take it. Just kidding. He's not doing that. If he promised it, it's there. Drive through. Go get your prize. Go get your blessing on the other side. Go get your heavenly treasure on the other side. Drive through it. Go find your sun break. Jesus is waiting with you. He's going with you through it too. He was there in the beginning, and he's there at the finish line. You got this. Find your crown. Find it. The crown of life. The crown of life shall last forever. God's got a crown waiting for you in heaven. That if you endure, 
You're going to have the crown of life forever. You got this. Somebody needs to thank God for a test today. Somebody needs to thank God for adversity today. Come on, somebody. I thank God for getting me through it. I didn't enjoy it, but that's how I know it made me better. Because if I just enjoyed it, I'd still be broken the same. You ask for strength, he made you weak. What do you do when you work out? You build muscle. You don't go in fit. You got to get broken down to get built up. And if you come into church and you never get broken down, guess what? God will never build you up because he ain't making you lift the weights. We know about weightlifting, Jake. If, 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 he, if you don't put the work in, you're not going to get the results. It don't build itself. You can go get the little tins machine and you can get the little, little blubber shaker or whatever those things are from my grandma had back in the 80s. None of that works because you're not doing the work. you got to put the work in. And God will build up your spirit if you put the work in with your faithfulness. Isn't that good? He'll do that. Y'all can stand this morning. Just like we stand, we put the work in. We're standing with boldness. We're courageous. We're God's church. We're faithful. We're the body of Christ. We're there to defeat the devil. The devil's a liar. He can't win. I laugh at you, devil. Kick the devil. Somebody kick him right now. Kick the devil devil, you can't mess with me. I don't care if the bank says it. I don't care if my job says it. God is for me. I will get through this. Find your crown. In the last verse again, this passage is relevant to all this. Verse 18, Caleb. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might, that means there's a choice, that we might, if we are willing to work it out with them through our faith, be a kind of first fruits of all he created. God says, if you might go to the cross with me, you can be sure that I'm going to resurrect you like the Messiah come and gone. He says, if you might be willing to go to the cross, you can be sure that there's going to be new life and a first fruit of something you've never seen and those around you have never seen. But you have to be willing to die with me. And if you're not willing to die, how can I resurrect something that's never died? It's already alive. How can I resurrect it if it won't die with me? And my faith says, I'm going, says James. I'm going. I'm going to the cross and I'm going to the grave so that I can be resurrected and become the first fruit of the body that changes humanity forever. That's how you have to become first is by being new. You can't have a first in something old. This is new. This is a new body. This is a new creation. This is a new spirit in you. The only spirit that is Lord, and that's Christ, the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit. Once it's in you, you'll start bearing a first fruit, something new. You'll become a new witness, a new creation. You'll be showing people something they haven't seen because it's new to them, because it doesn't come from earth. It comes from heaven. God wants that for every sheep in the flock. That will make you humble. 
that will take your riches and put them at the bottom of your priority list. That's what James is preaching to these wealthy people is that they're so blinded by their parties and all their money and all their cool hors d'oeuvres and all their flashy stuff. Look at me, look at me, look at me, that they can't see that they're going to perish if they don't get their heart right, that they're not bearing the fruit the Bible talks about. It's dead without the fruit. they got to be bearing this new creation, this new body, this new birth. That's what he wants. And so if he can get them humble, he can get them saved. But if he can't get the rich humble, he can't get them saved. Well, I'm just saved by grace. Grace is the doorway. Faith walks through it. Ask James. He wasn't messing around. If James was just saved by grace, he said, I don't need to preach this. I don't need to die for this. But he says, my faith is, grace allowed me to walk this faith, and I'm going to walk to the day I die for this living God, my brother Jesus, who saved me for all eternity. Amen? Every head bowed, every hand lifted, I encourage you to stretch today. Stretch like it's yoga, but this time stretch like it's Jesus calling you to a higher place. Because when you feel the weight of the water today, somebody been on that boat for a long time, the gaslight's flicking at you, it's blinking, it's on the last bar, and you're thinking, it's just not worth it. Maybe I should just jump in and try to swim. You can't do that. It's freezing cold. You stay in that boat. God put you in that boat. And if you keep driving, you're going to get to the other side. God will multiply it. God will give you enough. He'll multiply. He'll make sure the gas don't run out. Whatever you got to do, quit treading against the water and get up on top of that thing. Some of you are treading against the weight of the current pushing you back. And so you keep leaving on the coast, and then you keep coming back to the same place you started. God says, get up on top. Get up on top. Start swimming, son. Start swimming, daughter. You can do this. You can get through it, but you gotta swim. You gotta swim. You gotta get in the cold plunge. You gotta get in the cold. You gotta do something uncomfortable. You gotta feel the pressure of change to really change. And that's the way through it. That's the way to the daybreak. That's the way to the sun coming through on that last turn, that last home stretch, baby. Light at the end of the tunnel. The sun is breaking free, and God is setting me free. We got through this. We're gonna make it. This church got through this. This church is gonna make it. My life is good. God is good. I'm blessed today. If you're blessed today, lift your hands. Shout, I'm blessed. God's got me. I can do it. If you're blessed today, I got it. God's got me. I can do it. I can keep driving. God is good. You keep praying gratefulness, and God will give you perseverance. We thank you, God. We go into worship with admiration, with adoration. We give you all the praises, all the glory, because you're getting us through it. We have no doubt because we've seen you deliver, and when you deliver once, you will deliver time and time again. So be it. When I say amen, that means so be it. I believe it. And if the house of God can say, in Jesus' name, everybody say amen. 